following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, If therefore there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, <clears throat> but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. My main text is verse 5, where Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'd like to begin to preach on this subject, Let this mind be in you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for thy word, and Father, for those who were able to be with us tonight. Lord, I pray, Father, for those who are not uh, well, who are still struggling with sickness and what have you, maybe even some with discouragement and uh, things like that. Father, we don't know all of what people, God's people are struggling with, but we know that you do. And Father, I pray, God, that you'd meet their needs, bless them, help them. And Lord, help us tonight as we look into the scripture. Father, help me to teach. And Father, help us to listen, to understand, and apply. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, let this mind be in you. Now here, as in the, in the midst of these 11 verses, uh, we find the pivotal point of the whole passage in verse 5. And these words, let this mind be in you. This phrase speaks of, uh, means that it let this, uh, the example of the mind and heart of Christ be in you. So then Paul writing the church at Philippi is uh, in addressing some important issues of life of this church draws their attention to Christ's example and in particular to the example of the mind of his mind and heart concerning man in general and us specifically in John 13 if you look there with me John 13 we can find no greater example than our Lord Jesus Christ although we hear oftentimes a talk of um, of people looking for what's the term? I, I always lose the ter- the term uh, examples, but there's another word that people use. Um, was role models. There we go. Role models. Well, the greatest role model is our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, in John 13 and 13, uh, Jesus said this: "You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then your Master, uh, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet." He also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, he's not instituting foot washing, but rather giving an example of humble service 
uh, to the brethren. And he being the master is, is a perfect example of that. But he says, for I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happier ye if you do them. So again, he says specifically, I've given you an example. And when he says that, he's saying, follow it. He said, you're happy if you do and follow my example. Hebrews 12 and 1. Hebrews 12 and 1. <clears throat> Here the Apostle Paul writing to Hebrew believers that are scattered because of persecution difficulties. He's writing to encourage them in their, their walk, their race for the Lord. And remembering that it's not a, a, a sprint, but a marathon. Amen. He says in uh, Hebrews 12 and 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He's referring back to chapter 11. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, even as those went before. You know, they had their issues, and they had to learn to lay aside those things and run with patience. And then he says in verse 2 something important. He says, looking unto Jesus. Now he's saying, looking to his example. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Why? Lest ye be wearied in your mind, wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. So he's referring to uh, Christ's example of how he ran his race with patience. He says, you know what, you need to run your race with uh, patience, faith in the Lord, and uh, looking to Christ's example of uh, running and finishing the race, if you will. Looking back to our text in Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> and as we consider let this mind be in you. There are several different things that Paul is referring to in this entire context that gives us uh, the mind and heart of Christ. And as we consider, again, uh, letting this mind or the mind of Christ be in you, mind and heart of Christ, we want to look at verses 1 and 2 again, where the Bible says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. The, the first thing we want to consider in relationship to having the mind and heart of Christ is to have the mind and heart of unity. The mind and heart of unity. That's what he's speaking of in verses 1 and 2. Verse, one, verse 2 gives us this great indication, not because it uses the word unity, but rather some of the phrases that he uses speak of the issue of unity. He says here uh, in verse 2, fulfill you my joy, first of all, that you be like-minded. This is one of the phrases that speaks concerning the mind and heart of unity and the mind and heart of Christ concerning, uh, if you will, this issue of unity. God would have us uh, you know, remember, unity is not a unity at all cost, but a unity that seeks to, to love and obey and follow 
uh, the Lord and his word. But unity, and remember this, unity is always a matter not of, of um, if you will, the greater Christendom or the umbrella of Christendom that we want all Christians, professed Christians, to be able to be unified and get along. No, unity that he speaks of, and even as he's writing to the church at Philippi, is a unity within the local church. And that is so important because it's the, the local church, the Bible says, that Christ loved and gave himself for. It's important that we strive for that unity. He says that you be like-minded. That is, that you have the same that you think the same thing, seeking for, if you will, perfect unity, which is pretty difficult, of sentiment, opinion, and plan. And it would be desirable if that could be attained, though because we are flesh, we struggle with that. Uh, but it says here, uh, uh, it may be so far as to prevent, we want to you know, have unity so as to prevent discord and the schisms and contentions and strife and what have you in the church. You know what? A church cannot accomplish anything if we're fighting against each other. We've become our own worst enemy if we can't do anything but fight and fuss with each other. Unity is important if we're going to accomplish anything uh, for the Lord. So he says the, uh, the mind and heart of unity. Look at me to 2 Corinthians 13 11. 2 Corinthians 13 and 11. <clears throat> Here, Paul writing of the church at, at Corinth, and it's always important to remember who the Lord is uh, leading the apostles to write to, because it'll give us a little greater insight into what, uh, why he's saying what he's saying. In 2 Corinthians thirteen eleven, finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Now, it's interesting he wrote those words uh, to uh, the church at Corinth because of some of the problems that they were having in the church of Corinth, at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and beginning in verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in uh, verse 10. <clears throat> Here, the Apostle Paul, writing again to the church at Corinth, says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, that, that ye may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. He's speaking of unity and the unity of, of uh, 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 the mind and heart of unity. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And what a carnal thing that they were doing. They were comparing one preacher with another. They were name dropping. They say, well, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, because maybe there were certain factions that liked Apollos, and certain factions that liked Cephas, and on and on it went. Let me tell you something, folks. Um, you know, we should, uh, comparisons are carnal, period. We should not compare, the Bible says that he compareth, comparing himself among themselves are not wise. It's not a wise, it's not a right, it's not a spiritual thing to do. And these people were not behaving spiritually. Hence, we had strife and divisions uh, rather than having, if you will, the mind, mind and heart of unity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. Let me say this. It's ridiculous to think that everybody in a church is always going to agree about everything. 
It's impossible. It's just absolutely impossible. But on the whole, we ought to be able to agree uh, on the whole with much of what's being taught in the leadership and the, the scriptures and the, and the Lord. We ought to be able to agree on those things. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? No. So there has to be at least some basic general agreement on, on most of our doctrine and our practice. But to say and to imagine, you know, for me to force uh, people to have the absolute same opinions as myself is ridiculous. Because people don't. Now, we ought to be on the same page doctrinally. But, you know, I try not to preach my opinions. Now, ha have I been successful? Probably not, because who alive can't somehow interject their own opinions? Our opinions are not as important as the truth of God's word. And, you know, oftentimes it's the opinions that cause trouble. Because we elevate our opinions above what the scripture teaches and if we're going to have unity, we have to have a, a mind and heart of agreement over the Scripture and the truth of God's Word, striving together for those things. Amen? But uh, <clears throat> sometimes if we're not careful, we get into silly carnal comparisons. As Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto, uh, to babes in Christ. He's talking about how, how childish they're behaving. You know, sometimes even we adults, if we're not careful, can behave like little children. So I'm, I'm, I'm never that way. Baloney. There are times when I'm childish in my behavior. You are preaching. Yeah, I've noticed that about you lately. <laughs> I mean, who isn't? Because we're human. And sometimes we're not always on our best game. We're not always acting, behaving maturely as we should. But we ought to. We ought to be striving by the grace of God to do so. These Corinthians were being childish and, and making carnal comparisons. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas, there is a, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. You know, the one, who is the most important one to consider in the Lord's church, in the ministry of the Lord, and the work of God? The Lord himself. You know, God is not a respecter of persons. It says, for, for a piece of bread, that man will transgress. I don't care the best of the best. Sometimes can they, they may, there may, someone ha, may find their price, may find a way to entice them into doing something stupid. We need to be careful about thinking of man above that he, that he can be. Because who was Paul? Who was Apollos, he says? He said, ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. We're to be working together, striving together, uh, laborers together in the Lord's harvest, if you will, and to God be the glory, great things he hath done and does. Amen? And I thank God when the Lord allows us to be used of him in the process. But we need to be careful about focusing so much on 
the preacher or the preachers and not the Lord and not the, the work and be blessed by allowing God to use you. We ought to encourage one another that if you're involved, well, praise God. And, but yet to God uh, be the glory. We're talking about being like-minded. And then if you will, in Philippians 2 again, Philippians chapter 2, we want to consider another one of the phrases that speaks concerning uh, the mind and heart of unity in Philippians uh, chapter 2 and uh, verse 2, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded. And then secondly, having the same love or that you have the same love. And that is the love for Christ and one another. You know, what a blessing that, you know, folks, God loves every one of his children equally. I've said this before and I'll continue to say it. God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, I like Pastor Walters. I love Pastor Walters more than Esther Olson. No. God loves each one of his children equally the same. He has the same love and care for each one of us. And you know what, folks? For us to, to, have, to if you will, have the mind and heart of unity, we need to be able to, to enjoy the, the blessing of knowing that God loves us, but that he loves, one, he loves all of his children, and that we ought to love them even as he loves them. Amen? And sometimes that takes something. Because some, some of us are not easy to love. Amen? We're not easy to love. I've been married for 37 years, and I'm not the easiest guy to love. And occasionally my wife reminds me that she loves me. And I think to myself, why? <laughs> why? Why? Why does God love us? Mark 12 and 28. Mark 12. Look at verse 28. <clears throat> and I think it's good for husbands and wives to regularly tell each other you love each other. And not just say it with your mouth, but say it with your actions. Amen? You have to tell your children. Folks, it's important that we show our love for each other. In Mark 12 and, 30, and 28, and one of the scribes having, uh, came having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he, he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all uh, the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our, our, our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And this is the first commandment. The second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. There is none uh, other commandments, uh, commandment greater than these. And the scribe said him, Well, Master, thou hast uh, said truth, the truth for there is one God and there is none other but he and so forth. But here Christ emphasizes, uh, if you will, the love of God uh, for us and that we should love him. You know, our, one of the great priorities in our lives is that we should strive to ask God to help us to love him day by day and ask God to help us uh, to, uh, for our love for him to grow greater. In Matthew 24 and verse 12, the Bible says as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now it deals with the love that we have for God, but it also deals with the love that we have sometimes for one another or whether that wanes and we become not 
if you will, lovers of God's people, but rather critics of them. If you will, look with me to uh, John 13 and 34. John 13 and 34. Jesus said this, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. He says now, a new commandment? Well, this in one sense goes beyond just our love for God and love for, for our neighbor, but love one another as God loves us. And what, what, what was his love? He loved us and gave himself for us. We need to be willing to love others and at times be willing to give ourselves for them to, to help them and what have you. It says, um, this is interesting in verse 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Now, he doesn't say here, by your doctrine, your church doctrine, you're going, to, you're going to prove to people that you're of God. He says, by your love, one for another. He says it, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. The great principle taught by Christ in his word is our love for him and our love for God's people. Love, and you know, Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because we Baptists, uh, sometimes independent Baptists, we're afraid of the word love. Because, oh man, that, sound, that sounds evangelical. To love? Whoa! What did Christ do? He loved people. The Bible says even as he was going to the cross of Calvary and all of his disciples forsook him and fled, the Bible says he loved them unto the end. Knowing that they were going to do that, you know, that's the amazing thing to me, that God loves us knowing beforehand what we're going to do and not do. The right we're going to do and the wrong we're going to do, even as Christians. He would have us love even as he loves, that you have the same love even as Christ has, if you will, for uh, you and I. And then if you will, look back with me to Philippians chapter 2 and see the third thing, Philippians chapter 2, and see... The third thing, under the mind and heart of unity, we have seen <clears throat> that you be like-minded, that you have the same love. And if you will, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2 again, <clears throat> that you may be of one accord and one mind. Here you're having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Again, speaking, I think, even more specifically concerning the matter of unity, that being of one soul, as if they were actuated or moved to action as one soul in agreement, harmony of their will to do His will. You know, we ought to have harmony and we ought to be in agreement uh, as, a, as a church to, to what we're here to do. We're here to strive to do God's will and one of the chief things that is a part of God's will is to reach out to a lost and dying will, uh, world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, there, and then to encourage each other, to help us each other to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord. In verse 2, he says, uh, verse 2 of Philippians 2, <clears throat> Paul writes in the first part of this verse, fulfill you my joy. It was the apostle Paul's joy when uh, there was unity of mind and heart among God's people because he understood the value of the unity. He understood the love and the blessing 
uh, of having unity among God's people because of what they could accomplish. You know, there are enough things that we stumble over in the Christian life and in our service for God that it, it shouldn't be that we're stumbling over each other. Amen? We should be working together. If you will, in John 17, John 17 and verses 20 and 21, John 17 and verses 20 and 21. John 17, as I, as I like to say, is Christ's intercessory prayer for his people, for his church. And he says here in John 17 and 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may all be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the, work, uh, that, uh, the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You know, it's an amazing thing when people can go to a church where there's unity. Because you go to, I don't care where you go to church at. I mean, you know, people go to all kinds of different churches. And I've heard of different churches and, and say, yeah, I've talked to people, visitors. Yeah, we, we go over to this church. And, but there's so much fussing. and there, Nobody gets lost like, oh, well, well. You know, it's not just independent Baptists sometimes that have trouble fussing with each other in church. All kinds of groups do. But what a, what a blessing it is when you do come into the house of God among God's people in the local church, and there is unity. It's Christ's prayer that we be unified, even as Christ is unified with the Father and the Spirit and desires to be with us. It's so important, the matter of unity, being of one accord, that is being of one soul as if we're, we're moving together uh, in harmony and agreement with our wills to do his will. In Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, <coughs> you know, the first church in Jerusalem that our Lord Jesus Christ started and established before he went to the cross of Calvary and rose again and ascended into heaven. He built his first church in Jerusalem from which all the other scriptural churches, and I believe them to be Baptist churches, have sprung. But in Acts chapter 1, looking at verse 12, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode both Peter James, and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and uh, Simon Zelotes and Judas, uh, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of the names together were about 120. So here's a gathering of 120 uh, just prior to the day of Pentecost. They're meeting to, uh, to choose another apostle uh, since Judas had committed suicide after betraying Christ. And, uh, but at, at this time, it, it's notable that they're having unity. They, the Bible says it in verse 14. These all continued with one accord. Okay, they were unified in, in harmony and agreement in doing the Lord's will, Acts chapter 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And then God, if you will, baptizes them with the Holy Spirit or empowers and dues them with power from on high to begin their missionary outward thrust. And we see a great, a great outpouring of the Spirit of God, the the miracle of tongues, 3,000 people are saved. Verse 41 of the same chapter, Acts 2 and 41. 
Acts 2 and 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And these all continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Now, it's not, we're not talking about a Christian commune, but we're talking about, if you will, these Christians in this church of Jerusalem. The numbers are swelling. There's needs, and so they're trying to help each other out as, as we ought. And it goes on to say here, And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need, and, uh, they con- and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house. And they'd eat their uh, meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to what? The church. It wasn't churches yet. There was the church in Jerusalem. Added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So the, and their initial beginning... And, uh, and their empowering is one of, of unity and accord and agreement and harmony, if you will, the uh, one accord and one mind. But look at chapter 6 and verse 1, Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, and by now the, the numbers of, uh, of the disciples in the church at Jerusalem had numbered uh, uh, well below, uh, well above uh, probably 10,000 or more. Now, they weren't meeting in the Colosseum and having the big uh, uh, televangelists uh, preaching or what have you. They were meeting in houses, and they were meeting in many places, yet trying to be a local church, and God would eventually send persecution to scatter them abroad, get them out, doing the work of the gospel. Churches began to spring up because they were dragging their feet a little bit. But in chapter 6 and verse 1, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the work of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. <clears throat> and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they uh, chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And when they had set uh, before the apostles, and when they had prayed, and they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith, and so forth. We see there was a stumbling here. You know, the great church that was unified and they were striving to work together uh, found themselves as they got older in the Lord, as they moved forward trying to do God's work, that the devil got in there and was causing some trouble. And we find God using and instituting the office of the deacon here, a servant of the office of a servant, to help alleviate the problem, help to deal with the problem that was causing a strife and division so they could be brought back into harmony and back into accord so they could work together and move forward. You know, when there's fussing and fighting and upset going on, we're not moving forward, we're stagnant, we're standing still. 
And so we ought to, each one of us as members of the Bible Baptist Church should be, or whatever church you go to, should be striving for unity and striving to work together. And if there's a problem that gets in there, deal with the issue and don't let it become a, a thing that festers. And, and let's watch our own spirit. Let's not allow ourselves to be pulled into a spirit that causes us to become critical and fussing and fighting and striving one uh, with another because folks again we're talking about let this mind be in you the mind of christ is the mind of unity and then the fourth thing if you look back to philippians chapter 2 philippians chapter 2 and <clears throat> if you will verse 1 if you will the bible says if there be therefore any consolation in christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. This leads me to the last point under, uh, if you will, the mind and heart of unity. The last point is that you remember that you're all partakers of his blessings. And we'll go into that more, further uh, the next time we meet. All right, let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.